0: Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well. It is 1030 a.m. on Tuesday, April 20th, and we are studying Romans 15 today. Thank you for making this part of your day. Hope you're doing well and staying healthy wherever you may be. Romans 15, a great chapter of scripture. Uh, Romans is a great book of tri- uh, scripture, but Romans 15. Uh, Paul tells us the secret to happiness. And also tells us why he wrote the book of Romans or the letter of Romans. So lots of good stuff today and glad you're here Uh, again. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a great weekend and look forward to going through Romans 15 with you. So let us jump right in verses one through three. Paul writes, we who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So uh, Paul is building on an idea from Romans 14 where he talks about the weaker and stronger. And basically the weaker one is the more stricter one, the one who wouldn't eat meat, the one who wouldn't, uh, because meat may have been sacrificed to idols or may not be kosher. And so Paul says, uh, we who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. An important point. And um, uh, an important point. Sorry, we had a little computer uh, glitch here. Hope uh, hope you're still with me. Uh, good morning, everyone who's here. Uh, I see your messages now. Glad to have you along. Um, so, okay. Back to the verses. Sorry about that. Com- computer just kind of blinked on me. <laughs> so, please. To, to be there, to put up with those who are considered weak uh, and to, to build them up. So often if we find ourselves stronger than someone else, we use that to like lord it over them, right? To, to make them feel, uh, feel less than, less than us. And so um, Paul says, no, use that to build each other up. Uh, don't use your strength to please yourself. Use your strength to build others up. Imagine what the world would be like if those who had a position of strength use their strengths to build each other up instead of to tear each other down, instead of to manipulate others and make others feel less than, uh, how powerful life could be and how powerful relationships could be. If we, uh, if we took seriously the, this, this, what Paul says here, use our strengths to build each other up. Um, so, and then he says, uh, Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up our neighbor. So he basically says the, the way to happiness in life, the way to fulfillment in life, is to stop focusing on yourself and build others up. Build others up. Help others. Serve others. Don't live a life solely focused on yourself, but focus on others. Helping others. Doing what you can to help others. And in doing so, you will find that you indeed are building yourself up and that you indeed are finding joy in life, uh, that you are finding fulfillment in life. And so uh, I think this is a very important, important point that Paul makes. Uh, you know, there's this current belief that we should be looking out for number one, right? That we should be looking out for ourselves and no one else. Uh, and, and you know, that we shouldn't be uh, pleasing people. We shouldn't care what others think. We should only care about ourselves. Where Paul says, no, build each other up, care about each other. In a perfect world, we would all care about each other and we would find the care and concern that we each need from one another. And we would lift each other up and we would help each other and we would find joy and we would find a contentment with life. Um, and so we look at the model of how Jesus did that, how Jesus was constantly worried about one another, caring for one another, helping others. Uh, Jesus is a great model for this, as is Paul, and so I think it's something that we can all strive for, to be people who help others and lift each other up. Okay, so we continue with verses 5 through 6. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice, glorify God, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says, lift each other up, build each other up, you know, do this, care for one another. And then in verse five, he says, may the God of steadfast and steadfastness, patience and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, understanding that this is a hard way to live, right? That human beings left to ourselves are not very good at living this way. And so Paul praise that God would help us do this for one another, right? That that the God of patience and encouragement would help us to live in harmony with one another because we all need a little bit more patience and a little bit more encouragement. And that is who our God is. That is what God does. God is a God of patience and a God of encouragement. And so um, Paul says, may the God of patience and encouragement give you the strength to live in harmony with one another. Uh, so that you may all glorify God together. Because it's important that with one voice, we glorify God together. We are called to live in harmony with one another. We are called to... be at peace with one another. And we live in a world where that is not true, where that is not so. And God says, you know, Paul says, may God help us with peace and harmony. May God help us to live with one another and to take care of one another, to be, to, to care for our neighbors and to live the way that we ought to live. Uh, So uh, I think it's an important prayer and one that we should, um, one that we should repeat often. May the God of steadfast and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another. May God help us to live in harmony with one another. Amen. Okay, verses 8 through 9. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. So we just ended there at verse nine, but it actually goes through verse twelve. And basically, through verse twelve, all it is is Paul quoting Old Testament scriptures, demonstrating God's intention uh, for the Gentiles to become part of what God is doing in the world. And so, uh, you know, Paul is basically saying, "Don't divide over dis- disputes. Don't don't divide. Jews and Gentiles are supposed to come to one together, come and be together." In this great praising of God, so live at peace and harmony, uh, and, and we are all united under the cross of Jesus, right? We are united under the cross of Jesus, and nothing in this life uh, that you know draws us apart from one another is more important than that, right? Nothing is more important than being united under the cross of Jesus. Would we, be you know race, uh, money, politics, whatever it may be, nothing is more important than being united under the cross of Jesus. Whether you be a Jew or a Gentile, a Republican or a Democrat, or whatever it may be, we are united under the cross of Jesus. Okay, verses 14 through 16. Paul writes, I myself feel confident about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, on some points I have written to you rather boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Uh, So I find this really interesting. I find this verse really interesting. Uh, But verse 15, I myself feel confident about you, my brothers and sisters. Nevertheless, on some points I have written to you rather boldly. Uh, So basically, Paul is saying I know that you know what to do, the right thing to do. I'm not writing this letter to you to tell you what the right thing is that you should do. I am writing this letter to remind you to do it, right? Nevertheless, on some points, I have written to you rather boldly by way of reminder. I, I don't need to tell you what's right and what's wrong. You know what's right and wrong. I am writing to you to remind you to do it. How. Powerful of a statement is that I what I find interesting is that Romans, which is probably theologically the most brilliant chapter, brilliant, book, brilliant book of the Bible ever written. Uh, I mean, the, the Lutheran Church basically was built on the theology of Romans. Paul saying, "I'm not writing this about theology. I'm writing this about a reminder to, for you to do it." Uh, and I think we as Christians need to hear that. That uh, sometimes we we know the difference between right and wrong. We know what we should be doing, and we need to do it. We need to do it for the sake of the gospel. uh, Paul is saying, because of the grace given me by God, I am reminding you, and I am being a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable. So Paul is saying, I am reminding you as a minister, as a minister of Christ Jesus, to do it, to be it, to live it, to live it." Um, it. So it's interesting here, Paul sees himself as a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, in the priestly service of the Gospel of God. Uh, Martin Luther wrote about the priesthood of all believers, meaning everyone who believes is a priest. In the same way that Paul was a minister to the Gentiles, we of all this, we, uh, we all have been called by God in the priesthood of all believers to be ministers to whomever, right? To be, and, and so how do we minister? How, you know, what is our duty? Uh, what is your duty as a member of this priesthood of all believers? How is it that God can use you to minister to people because of the grace given to you, right? And so that's how it starts. It starts, Paul says, "I nevertheless, on some points I've written to you rather boldly by way of remember reminder, because of the grace given to me by God. So Paul has an understanding of God's grace and wants to wants to, feels called to, go out and share that grace with others. It all starts there at grace, and I think that's how we are all called. We are all called to go out, begin with the understanding of grace that God has for us, the understanding of grace that God has for us, the, the gift of salvation, the gift of God's love, and we that's our starting point. And then we go out in wherever it is that we have been planted, right? Wherever it is that God has put us, we are called to go to that place and be a minister, a priest, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And and so we just do our best. We do our best to live the way that God would have us live, to be the people that God created us to be, and we watch the Holy Spirit work in and around and through us, uh, and God does incredible things in our lives and in the lives of those who are close to us. Okay, so we jump ahead to verses twenty-three and twenty-four. Uh, Paul writes, but now with no further place for me in these regions, I desire, as I have for many years, to come to you when I go to Spain. For I do hope to see you on my journey and to be sent on uh, on by you once I have enjoyed your company for a little while. So Paul hasn't been to Rome yet. He hasn't met the Roman Christians, or maybe he has, but it hasn't been in Rome. And so he is saying to them, "I plan to come visit you. I plan to come see you when I'm on my way to Rome. I'm going to spend some time with you. It's going to be great. And then I'm going to go to Spain, right? Um, and so uh, you know, maybe maybe Paul's going to set up a base of operations there, right? And then he's going to do missionary stuff in uh, Western Europe from there. But um, Paul's plan, Paul's plan, and well, you know, what does God say about making plans, right? Uh, so Paul doesn't actually end up getting to Rome on his way to Spain. Instead, uh, it, if we look at the book of Acts, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem and gets arrested while he's there and ends up being sent to Rome as a prisoner to be on trial before Caesar. Um, and so uh, that's kind of uh, an interesting way to get there. Paul does end eventually make it to Rome uh, but um, he doesn't get there the way that he planned. However, at the end of the book of Acts, Paul's imprisoned for the first time and then he's freed. Uh, and so maybe Paul did end, make it over to Spain, and then the second time he's uh, arrested, uh, he's uh, he's executed. So uh, don't know uh, if he actually made it to Spain or not. A lot of people think he got there. Some don't, but um, I, I don't know enough about the subject to say one way or another. Uh, but there you go. Uh, okay, and then the finish of the chapter, verses 30 through 33, he talks about his trip to Jerusalem. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in earnest prayer to God on my behalf, that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my ministry to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Okay, so we have the end of the chapter here. Paul says, I wanted to come see you and I hope to come see you as I go on my way to Spain, but now I'm going to Jerusalem. And, and I, what I find interesting is Paul knows that danger is waiting for him in Jerusalem. And so he says in verse 30, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by our love of the Spirit to join me in earnest prayer to God on my behalf, that I may be rescued from the unbelievers. So if we read Acts 20 and Acts 21, we know that Paul was warned several times not to go to Jerusalem. If he goes to Jerusalem, it's going to be bad. If he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be arrested. If he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be in danger. And so Paul says, well, I still need to go. I still need to go to Jerusalem. And so uh, Paul knows, though, that as he's going to Jerusalem, that he is going to be in danger and that he needs prayer. And so he asks his his Roman brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for him uh, as he's on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, and I think what's important is that we we see these people who are leading a church or who are important people in the church, and we think that how great it would be if they could pray for us. But, but they, too, need our prayers. I'm reminded of um, the, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, the, the movie about Mr. Rogers that came out a couple years ago and how he was talking to somebody who was near the end of his life. And, and he leaned over and asked him something. And the guy said, Oh, definitely. Of course you bet. And he left. And the, the person said, what did Mr. Rogers ask of you? He said, he asked me to pray for him. Um, you know, these, it's important. I think that we ask one another to pray for us, But that we uh, we recognize that no matter who who you are, no matter what place you have in the in the church, no matter what place you have in life, that we all need prayer, Uh, that we all need prayer. I mean, it's we we really need to depend on one another to pray for us, to pray for us, to give us. This encouragement to give us the from the steadfast God to to help us to see God's presence among us, to help us to see God's grace in our life, to help us to see that we are not alone, to give us strength when we don't have any, to give us peace when we're struggling, to give us joy when we can't find any. I mean, praying for one another is such an important part of what it means to be a person of faith, lifting up each other to God, praying for one another, praying for those who are leaders in the church, praying for those who are struggling in life, praying for everyone you can think of who needs to be prayed for. Uh, it's such an important, you know, so Paul is inviting them, asking them, encouraging, appealing, please pray for me, please, I need your prayers. And we know how much uh, Paul had, Paul did for the church and how uh, he relied on the prayers of, of the, the saints around him to do so much of that. So, Uh, I think it's important that we pray for one another. And so uh, we will end today, as we always do, with prayer. Uh, Good and gracious God, we thank you for your patience and for your encouragement. We thank you for your grace and for your love. Uh, today I pray for all those who are listening to this that they may know that you are with them that they may know that you are loved may, may be strengthened to live out uh, the call that you have placed on their lives to be ministers wherever it is that they are to whomever it is that you put in their life we we thank you so much for being with us and for helping us through difficult times help us to remember to pray for one another help us to remember all that we have already been taught and to live out our faith as we are able in Jesus name amen All right, everyone, thanks for joining me today. Have a great day, and we will see you on Thursday.